Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, pupils and parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode, I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest. So it's a bit of a three-way conversation. As always, for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you to understand who you would like us to bring on to talk to. It's from Snaresbook Prep, of course, but this whole channel is kind of your channel because you're the people who are listening to this. Now, in this episode, we're talking to the headmaster at Brentwood School, Michael Bond. But before we do that, Ralph, how are you doing today? I'm taking a very deep breath. No, I'm, I'm, yes, no, it's been a very interesting morning. And, uh, but I'm, as always, very excited uh, to record this episode. Um, I think that Brentwood School has a lot of uh, crossovers with our uh, ethos that we have here at Snaresbrook Prep. And it's mm-hmm. not a school traditionally that our parents have looked at, um, but I think it could be because of those um, those synergies in terms of what what our parents think are important, um, what we think mm. is important and what Brentwood thinks is important. So no, I'm really excited to, to see where this conversation goes. And uh, I, th- I think Michael joined the school just before the pandemic struck. Do you, do you think that that's a, a, a good time or a bad time to be joining a school? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to put a break on... Um, some of your plans you know when you you come into a headship you'll think right I've got my first 100 days or first 90 days or whatever it is then you know the first year first three years so it it will definitely put a break on well it certainly put a break on some of my plans Um, you know and I sort of arrived at Snaresbrook prep a year before Michael arrived at Brentwood so you know Mm. in adversity there's opportunity I guess. So I think it's probably time to bring Michael in should we do that now? Absolutely let's do it. Michael, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, thank you very much uh, to both of you for inviting me to speak on your podcast. I had grand plans to uh, connect with local prep schools when I arrived at Brentwood in September 2019. And I made a, uh, something of a, a decent start, but then uh, something called a global pandemic rather got in the way. So I'm looking forward to reconnecting uh, with local prep schools in the, uh, in the months to come. Uh, of course, the pandemic got in the way for, of of schools all over the country. But what was the what was the biggest impact you'd say it, it had on on Brentwood? Um, I think um, none of us would have wished uh, for a pandemic to uh, arrive, of course. But as a new head, I have to say, uh, we've tried to look at it as an opportunity uh, to see uh, what the school community is capable of. And um, I'm hugely proud of what we've achieved uh, as a community here at Brentwood. Uh, We made the decision uh, from day one to run a full timetable uh, and also a full programme of co-curricular activities. And uh, because we are a good Google School and our students all have iPads, we were uh, able to make that transition very quickly. Although I have to say the last 18 months have been the uh, the best uh, CPD that every teacher has probably ever had in their careers. Um, but we've, we've, we've been really proud of, of how we've stepped up and, and, and run the school and switched between online and in-person education. And what might you say some of the, the benefits are or some of the, the positives that you might retain post-pandemic? 
Um, I'm sure Ralph is doing the same at, at Snaresbrook, but we're all engaged in this in, in answering that question, aren't we? Which which bits of what we've had to do have we looked at and thought actually that that's probably a bit better than what we used to do? Uh, and I think there are certainly um, some efficiencies uh, and some um, uh, ways in which we can use technology to the benefit of our students and parents. The most obvious one, I don't think there's a school uh, that I've heard in the country of that is going to go back to um, in-person parents' evenings. I think um, there's a role for in-person meetings of course but I think the uh, the convenience and the efficiency of parents evenings online is something that uh, all the feedback we've had anyway uh, suggests that parents are very keen to keep so there are practical things like that but also just um, you know, creative ways to teach and learn that, that teachers have had to uh, come up with uh, mm. many of them will will remain I'm sure. Mm. So Putting ourselves in the shoes of any parents that might be listening to this who, who know nothing at all about Brentwood, how might you summarise what the school is and, uh, well, e- well, even basic things like, like, like the age range that it covers? Well, I, I, if I start with the, um, the, the first of the questions there, what, what attracted me as a relatively new head, what attracted me to Brentwood was that um, all the fundamentals uh, were, that were in place, its location, its facilities, its finances, its pupil numbers, population uh, growth in the area. And really, um, the way I looked at it, what it what it needed was someone to come and stitch it all together and, and put together a vision um, uh, for the future. And um, paradoxically, I'm a history teacher, so uh, my first instinct is to look back uh, okay. at, the, at, the, at the past. And um, it's probably no surprise that I've worked in five HMC schools, uh, all of whom uh, were founded in the 16th century. The Tudor, peri- <laughs> the Tudor period is my favourite, so I'm, maybe I'm drawn to uh, 16th century founded schools. But yeah. um, uh, moving into the 17th century, uh, uh, 400 years ago next year, uh, the school's values, uh, virtue, learning and manners were written down in our statutes. And that's where I started um, uh, in terms of trying to capture the essence of what Brentwood is all about. And um, for me, uh, lots of schools have values. Not many have values that go back 400 years. Uh, but also, they can't just be posters on the wall. They've, they've got to be used. Uh, so one of the first exercises I went through at Brentwood was to ask the question of our students, of our parents, of our staff and governors, well, what, what do you think those words mean? Mm. Um, and we came up with a sort of 21st century um, sort of interpretation of those three words. Oh. And we put that right at the heart of, of a, a vision and a strategy that we then wrote in my first sort of six or seven months at the school. So we talk uh, about, for example, uh, Brentwood being a school where you know, we want our young people to do good in the world, not just well in their exams. Uh, we want their successes to be earned without sharp elbows. Mm. Uh, and mm. we, I, I, I often quote the C.S. Lewis quote, which is, we want our students to do the right thing even when no one is looking. Yeah. So we're a very values-based school, um, and that underpins everything else we do. And, and I guess the, the second thing that flows from that, um, that I know that Ralph mentioned in a previous discussion, um, was we've actually written this into our admissions policy now, that we, rather than asking how, it, how intelligent is this child, uh, we ask how is this child intelligent, uh, based on the idea of multiple intelligences. And, and our job, although we're a big school, is to try and help each individual child discover and develop what it is that is going to make them unique and help them find their place in the world and give them their confidence uh, to take their place uh, mm. in that world. So, mm. so we're, we're a big school, which gives us lots of benefits in terms of economies of scale. Mm-hmm. But we want to feel to parents and students like we're a small school in the sense that we know each child uh, and we have the structures in place to help them find out what it is that is going to um, make them tick uh, in the future. Mm. 
Now you mentioned about these v values, and you mentioned about how that translated then into your into your vision and strategy. But in everyday life at the school, what sort of examples are there of of how that actually looks? So that that's, that's one of the sections, one of the questions that we asked uh, our our students and and staff was how how do we know? Hmm. Yeah, how do we know that uh, a Brentwood student is following um, the virtual learning and manner? So one of the things I do with our Year Sevens is I teach each of your, our Year Seven classes uh, a lesson which is connected to the history of the school, but it also explores that question. And they're very, very good at, at, at answering that question. And it's everything from you know uh, politeness and holding doors open in terms of manners. It's everything from uh, not uh, seeing debates in us and them terms hmm. but finding the common ground um, you know we ran an off timetable day a couple of weeks ago for the whole school called the, uh, the first in a series of events called the big conversation which is our attempt to tackle some of the big questions uh, that have emerged in the last 12 months the black lives matter the everyone's invited movement and so on and, and we started that morning with a couple of sessions on underlying principles of how one agrees and disagrees well hmm. uh, with each other uh, and we talk about uh, this idea that, that in the world at the moment we seem to have you know, people who quite frankly should know better uh, taking extreme views, uh, taking a position that you're either with me or against me as opposed to the concept we use is drawing bigger circles around each other mm. so we find what we actually have in common uh, and then we start from there and then we engage with each other. So that's a sort of a, a, a sort of convoluted answer to your question but we, we're very committed to this idea of uh, agreeing and disagreeing well uh, mm. with each other, which I think does go back to our values, uh, all three of them actually, virtue, learning and manners. Mm. And do you think that without instilling those kind of values in children today, there, there could be a danger when you look at like British politics or American politics, that they might follow the examples of of those people who, who should be a better example to the world and then end up being more extreme in those viewpoints, more more polarised? I think this is genuinely one of the biggest challenges that schools have, which is to how do schools play their part in fighting back against the trend in society? And, you know, I have to say I'm a big fan of social media, but one of the downsides of social media is the only way you get heard on social media is by taking an extreme position. Mm. And that's not healthy. Uh, and then you see politicians uh, of all of all parties uh, jumping on that. Mm. Um, and I think that is a bad message to give young people because that's not where um, progress lies, in my opinion. So tell me then a little bit more about the opportunities that there are for children coming to Brentwood and then moving through the school, uh, going through the sixth form and then going off to university. How does, how does that actually look for students that go through? Sure. So, so we, we are a large school. We're, we're three to 18. So we have a prep school of about 575. 576 children and then we have a senior school 11 to 18 of around about 1300 students as well. Because we are large we have a, a breadth of curriculum and co-curricular offering that is uh, I think extraordinary. Academically our commitment is um, uh, that if uh, as long as the, 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 the school can genuinely do the best by the child mm. our commitment is to try and see that child through the whole school and uh, an example of that is that we're one of the few schools independent schools in the country that has uh, three six form pathways so we have the IB diploma we have A levels and we have BTEC mm. uh, and the, the the main reason for having those three pathways is we can then 
do what I said earlier, which is uh, make sure we try and place the, the right students on the right pathway, which is mm. going to give them the best opportunities to move on. We've just um, finished our first cohort of BTEC students. Uh, there were four of them in the cohort. Um, I'm sure they won't mind me, me saying that their GCSE results would probably have meant that they wouldn't have been able to stay at Brentwood two years ago. Mm. Uh, all four of them are on target for uh, distinctions across the board. Mm. One of them's going to Exeter University, one of them's going to Bath University, one of them's going to Durham University, and one of them's got a job as a junior broker. <laughs> wow. Those outcomes are amazing, you know, for four students who had modest GCSE results, but they got onto the right pathway and the school was able to help them fly. Mm. So I think that's our, that's our message about individual attention in a large school. We've got the breadth of curriculum, but we absolutely are committed to placing people on the right pathways. Mm. Um, and beyond the classroom, um, the, the range of, of activity here is staggering. Um, uh, we're well known for sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure uh, people will, will appreciate that. We, we, we run the main team sports, but we also have outstanding reputation in, in things like fencing, uh, a growing reputation in equestrian. Um, uh, our, our, our chess program is is becoming one of the strongest in the in the country. Uh, music. Uh, we're a Steinway school, okay. uh, which is incredible. Um, we are we have an emerging partnership with the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, and and so on and so forth. So lo- lots and lots of opportunities beyond the classroom, which we see as being as important as what goes on within it. Mm. Just listening to you, Michael, reminded me why. I wanted to give you this profile for our parents because I think everything you have said resonates so strongly, well, with me personally. I wish I'd only said these things as eloquently as you have. Um, And actually with our parents, so from the manners, you know, that's a big thing for our parents. And going to school where that is, you know, at the core, I think is hugely important. Um, doing good in the world it's something we talk about you know we want our children to do the right thing at the right time uh, in the right way and for the right reasons I mean I love the idea of earning you know earning the outcomes earning the excellence but not at the expense of others again it's this idea of positive contribution which is something we talk about Um, you know here again the idea of how is this child intelligent I love that Um, you know it's I described the process of education as far as I can see it a bit like a gardener and you're sort of tending to these plants and you you feed them and you nurture them and when the time is right they will start to grow when their roots are strong and if you get all the conditions right then their petals start to open and you see the unique beauty of each flower but it doesn't happen until you've you've done that you know and 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 seeing that uh, in each child I think that's that's all those things I think resonate with our parents um, and they resonate with me. And then, you not only do you not only do Brent, not only does Brentwood say these things are important to them, but then they have found practical pathways for children to be their very best and to find themselves. And you know whether it is in music, whether it is in sport, you know whether it is the IB, the A level route, the B Tech. Um, and I just think, I, I genuinely think it's. It's it's hugely inspiring and a very interesting school proposition. Thank you. Um, and uh, the, the only thing I would add is that is that um, we also make a big um, a big thing that none of us are perfect. Myself definitely not included, but definitely included. I mean, um, none of us are perfect, and um, we also really push the idea with students and with staff that 
to take risks, make mistakes, mm-hmm. and learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know, we—I um, don't know if you've come across Matthew Sy's book, Black yes. Box Thinking, but we, um, we 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 give that out like uh, confetti <laughs> to members of staff here, and we ask them to read it, and we say, look, you know, read that because it's a perfect example of of how you know by being afraid of making mistakes, it makes us a poorer um, a society. And actually, if we make them honestly and then learn from them, then we all move forward. And I think you know that idea of modelling to our children mm. the concept that that look look children you know we make mistakes as well and when we do we learn from them i think it's, it's hugely important well i mean um simon what well, uh, uh, another guest on here is a, a gentleman called ray and he had a, an expression or at least it was he was the first person i heard use it and he would say fail is a uh, first first attempt in learning um, mm-hmm. And then That's following good. the black box thinking, I actually changed it to fundamental aspect in learning, because I think what the, the book is really saying is actually without making mistakes, you can't learn. The whole point of science is to say, right, we think we know this. Let's push it as far as we can until that fails. And what do we learn from that? You know, and, and I think the book gives the example of water boiling at 100 degrees. So what do we do? We stick a lid on it. Does that change yep. it? Take it up a mountain. Does that change it? Um, yeah. So absolutely. I mean, you know, and I was going to ask you, actually, as you were talking, do you think I don't quite know how how to phrase it, but progress, I think, is an idea that it's very hard to explain to parents. So when they're choosing secondary schools, they tend to look at the sort of A level grades percentages. And I, I sometimes feel that doesn't do justice to the progress of some schools. I know there are certain independent schools that feel very strongly that that progress isn't as visible by measuring that. I don't know if there's some guidance you could give to our parents in this. Um, so so w- w- I always make sure that any uh, open day presentation, it, it has outcomes such as results at the end, not the beginning. Because to me, they are the consequences of doing things properly. Um, and, and I would always say to parents, if a school puts their results up first, they've got things the wrong way around because um, everything you do in terms of your values and the way you approach learning, the way you approach success and failure will lead to, if you get that right, it will lead to good outcomes. Um, and we do talk about genuinely celebrating the success of a student who gets two B's and a C at the end of their A-levels. If for them, that is a really good achievement. Mm. We celebrate that as much as we do the A-star student because it's all about what's achievement for that student and you know um, uh, we do obviously track value-added data uh, in the school um, in terms of how much are we adding to each individual child and it is difficult to to, to sort of um, get that point across to parents but I, I guess you go back to first principles and you say you know for your child have we helped are we helping your child find what it is that's going to inflate their self-confidence mm. because confidence is key isn't it if you know I've worked in more selective schools less selective mm-hmm. schools in my career and in every school in the country there is a top uh, academically performing 25% and there is a bottom uh, mm. 25% and the students in the bottom that's fine as long as they've got something that gives them their confidence and their self-esteem mm. Uh, if they haven't got that, then that place can be a very unhappy one. And our job is to actually say to those children, look, do your best academically, but what else is it that is going to make you fly? Because there's always something for each individual child. Yeah. I mean, and again, that, that sense of confidence is a, is a key thing for our parents. They want our children to leave here confident, um, you know, willing and interested to seek and seize all the opportunities that, that lie before them. Um, and again, that's just another idea that I think resonates with, you know, our ethos as a school um, and that's why I see Brentwood as such a such a natural bedfellow if you like
I probably will mistell this, but it was the the apocryphal sort of anecdote of the uh, the headmaster who speaks to a a former parent whose child has has grown up and reached the age of thirty, and he says to the the mom, you know, so do you think um, do you think it was worth the investment? And the the mom turns around and says, my dear headmaster, it's far too soon to say. <laughs> Uh, which I always, I always think is a good one. You know that idea that education is—it's is, Einstein's quote, isn't it? Education is everything that's left after you've forgotten everything you've learned in class you know, in school. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's, that's, the, that's the bit that we're trying to teach youngsters, isn't it? That confidence, that ability, that, that approach to life, mm. which is going to last them way beyond anyone's interested in their GCSE results or whatever. It's that, what have we given you mm. as a school? And for me, that's what it's all about. And I was going to, I wondered if that's, um, I f- forgive me because I can't remember the name. You have a, an, a programme, a sort of co-curricular programme that runs alongside like a, like a D of E scheme, it's not a D of E scheme. We have we have a learner profile, which is which is um, sort of based on attributes, based on the IB profile, but it's based on attributes that we're trying to explicitly teach children. So communication, problem solving, critical thinking. Is yes, that, is that yes, and I thought yeah. again, you know, yeah. talking, speaking to these these other skills that actually sometimes beyond the grades are far more important in later life. Yet yeah, that's again when I think about Brentwood finding a practical way to to. Um, give children the opportunity to develop those skills too. Yeah. So, and again, uh, so talking about practical ways. So, so what we're trying to do is say to a youngster, you know, you might have a student who I don't know um, is brilliant at rugby, playing rugby, but finds it really difficult to uh, succeed in English or whatever. And it's trying to say to that student, what are the ingredients of success on the rugby pitch, and which of those are transferable to your English class? And it's actually trying to open their minds to say, well, actually, it's similar kind of stuff, you know, working as a team or solving problems or concentrating and focusing. If I can transfer that to my classroom, then that's going to work. So to that end, in terms of practical strategies, uh, we piloted this year for our Key Stage 3 students um, that they took ownership of their report um, so that in each lesson... They, with their teacher's help, in each lesson they had to write their own report, and the teacher had to sign it mm-hmm. off. But it was what's going well, what do I need to improve on, and they effectively wrote their own report to themselves and to their parents. Um, and 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 that's based on you know the uh, Educational Endowment Foundation research that talks about you know the importance of feedback and metacognition. Um, and we think that is a much more active and proactive use of reports rather than traditional reports where you know a teacher says Johnny has been studying x y and z and he's done very well and 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 could do better Mm. in this area Mm. which by the time the parents get them are three weeks old the students had no input whatsoever and ultimately who's the report for Uh, what's the purpose of a report for me it's about moving student learning Mm. uh, forward and, and I think that can become a powerful tool rather than a passive one which I think traditional school reports have become. Mm. And, so, and also, I mean, reflects, again, lots of the sort of uh, work done by Hattie or, you know, his analysis shows that, that sense Absolutely. of pupil engagement in their learning, um, their sense of what they can achieve being far more important, being one of the, the most important factors. So, Absolutely. And, and his, you know, his, his one thing that strikes me about his um, writing is that, he, you know, he, he makes a case that students just don't just learn this by osmosis. Mm. You can't just assume that they're going to pick up these these skills and so on. You have to actually signpost mm. them and sort of teach them explicitly. And, and and you can't just say, be better communicators. You've got to unpack that. Well, what does it mean? You know, and and you know, we spend a lot of time teaching reading and writing in schools. We spend very little time teaching children how to listen. Mm. 
Uh, and yet, you know, as Mark Twain said, you know, we were born with two ears and one mm -hmm. mouth for a reason. Yeah. You know, we should listen more than we talk. Uh, and yet schools don't spend much time thinking about or talking about well, how do you improve your listening mm -hmm. skills? Mm -hmm. And actually, as human beings, we're not that good at it. <laughs> um, so I think we, schools should spend more time on that kind of thing as well. <laughs> the whole concept of active listening as well, because quite often people tend to listen just waiting for an opportunity to say what they're thinking about saying next instead of actively listening to what that person is saying. Exactly. So one of the things that we would encourage in our classrooms is to say to a student when they when they do that, because it's obvious when they're doing that, is to say, have you amended at all what you've just said <laughs> in light of what you've yeah. just heard? And usually it's that, no, 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 I was just waiting to tell what I was going to say. And, and it's, such a, it's such a difficult skill to master because adults do this quite a lot as well. Um, so I think it's something that, that is an on-tap resource in terms of what we can achieve if we really effectively teach that in our mm. schools. Uh, Michael, before we bring this to a close, I'm just thinking about parents at Snaresbrook who might be listening to this right now. And uh, they might be thinking about which school to send their children to next. And given the fact that Brentwood goes all the way through, I guess I'm asking what sort of assurances you might have for parents that they can send their children to Brentwood and they'll know that they'll be incorporated into school life quickly and not feel alien to other children who might know each other very well. Sure. Uh, and that is um, one of the benefits of being a large school. So we have um, uh, maybe about 80 students, pupils who come uh, into the senior okay. school from our prep right. school. But we have a year group that, that is between 180 and 200. So there will be more students from other schools who will be coming okay. new uh, than there are who are coming mm. through. Uh, and, and we also have a... Um, a very well-trodden and I think very, very good sort of um, transition programme that stretches from um, the point at which the parents accept an offer all the way through the first term of them being mm -hmm. here that is very much about the concept of melting pot. And, you know, by the time we get to that end of that first term, even before mm -hmm. then, the vast majority of our Year 7 students think of themselves as, as Brentwood students, not I was at the prep or I was at Snaresbrook or I was at whatever, yeah. you know, there, there is this big melting pot and we have a, a, a sort of well-trodden path to get them there. So, uh, Ralph, is there anything else we wanted to ask before we bring this to a close? No, I think we, I, I, that's, I've hugely enjoyed this. I mean, likewise, thank you very much. And um, I'd love to come over and see you at some point uh, on the other side. Well, not the other side of COVID because the government seems to have declared that it's over now. So, <laughs> Do you think that'd be like George but, Bush uh, declaring the war was over? Yep, I want it. I, I think... <laughs> I think they. I think you know. I think they. they seem to. They're pro, pro, at the moment. Their approach seems to be to wish it <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> and it will be. So. Uh, Are we going to see Boris Johnson on an aircraft carrier with mission accomplished above him on a big banner? <laughs> Nothing would surprise me, Simon. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But no, I'd love to come over and say hello and and and, and see the school. And so that'd be great. That'd be lovely. Look, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here today and uh, for sharing or well, giving us all an, an insight into life at Brentwood. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Uh, so, Ralph, that was Michael. Uh, was what he was talking about at Brentwood kind of as you expected him to be? Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, in terms of what he was saying, as I think I said in the during the interview, you know, it really resonates with with me personally. Mm -hmm. um, and I really think resonates with what our parents are looking mm -hmm. for. And I think the school, you know, I think Brentwood as a school really does fulfill those values in practical ways mm. as I said during the, the interview I mean something I didn't say during the interview I, and I guess it's more of a personal view and less of an educational one it's slightly an educational one is, is that sense of debate mm. um, our, our history 
um, and our political system is very much set up to adversarial debate on the idea that through arguments we reach a better understanding of a truth mm. um, in sort of quotes and so we do have a history of sort of you know sort of polarized opinion and clearly social media uh, and the surface level of information that we now take mm -hmm. in because of the time pressures and the way we consume information mm. at a very surface level mm. um, is, lead, is, is increasing this polarisation. And so actually getting children to see that actually what we want is not a debate but an inquiry. So there's a, a, a philosophy for uh, children talks about, or P4C as it sometimes sort of labels it as... Um, a community of inquiry mm -hmm. okay because often children think philosophy is about this argument mm -hmm. and they try and get make the point that actually no we're all going to sit here and we're going to inquire mm. uh, into this and actually it makes a value of children take changing positions mm. so they might make a statement and say you know they might challenge a position and then they will listen to a response mm. and say oh that's interesting mm. you said that that's making me think of this and they might take a completely huh. yeah. you know different a opinion yeah. um, or put forward in fact it's not even an opinion they're putting forward just a different perspective mm. and actually that it strikes me it's it's that that we need in our current society more than ever mm. and actually the fact that we uh, don't have that actually is the fault of the education system mm. in fact I believe because philosophy is not on our curriculum mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of you know the, the UK curriculum, I should say, not the Snaresbrook prep curriculum, but um, and in France, I, I believe it actually is philosophy okay. is part of the French right. curriculum, and they almost think, well, how can you have educated citizens without if they yeah. can't think to think? Yeah, they don't know how to think. Yeah. Um, again, they're not going. You know, children are not going. To, you can pick some of it up through osmosis, mm -hmm. and you know. So I, I, again, it's just another area that you know really resonates and something that i think is really important in education mm -hmm. so yeah I, I think it, it probably did go as uh, as i expected I, I thought it was really interesting as well hearing him talk about uh, the fact they do a levels and the ib and btech as well and the success stories of those students who were going through the btech that was amazing to hear i thought I, absolutely i think this and this i think this is i asked the question about progress um because i do think as a parent you've got very little to judge a school on you see very little you see the school uniform you see the grounds and you see the results table yeah. um, but what you don't see behind that results table is the journey that the children have taken mm. now if as a school if you're looking at a school that's selecting the top five percent of children in the area mm -hmm. for their cohort mm -hmm. i would ask if they're not all getting double a stars or nines or whatever the you know however they're being yep. judged what what have they done with yeah. them? Yeah. Because they they took the top five percent, mm. um, and I know there are several independent school heads who have schools where they cater for a much broader academic range of children mm -hmm. that um, often feel that parents don't give enough consideration to the journey of those children. And then, like you say, mm. those children on those BTEC, their outcomes were as good as any other yeah. outcome. Yeah. You know, all the schools that, you know, Snaresbrook feed, they all have these onward pathways. Mm. Um, they all have the same onward, well, I was going to say the same onward pathways. Actually, some, you know, lots of independent schools don't actually do sort of apprenticeship path pathways. Mm. And again, I think this is 
you know, again, something that Brentwood is ahead of the curve in that sense. And what you surely what you want is for your child to be confident, go out into the world with the skills where they can, you know, add value. And, and a school that has those pathways um, is what you should be looking for more than just a result sheet or a, or a reputation for a certain, um, you know, for a certain type of child. So that, that's what really attracts me to, to Brentwood. Like I say, they, 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 they walk the walk, I yeah. think. Um, and they have some other options that maybe some other independent schools don't mm. have. And that, that's, I think that's of in, that should be of interest to our parents. Mm. doesn't mean that's the right school for your child, but, you know, the purpose of this podcast was really just to widen the view mm. um, to parents. Widening the view. I like it. Well, I think we probably need to bring this episode to a close. But for anyone who's listening to this right now, if you want to get to know the school uh, any deeper, then then don't forget to check out Snares Book Prep on social, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, just search up Snares Book Prep. And also to stay up to date with the next episode that's coming out soon, then be sure to follow this podcast channel. And that just means when that next episode does come out, you get a small notification to let you know that it's there. And of course, don't forget that if you have any questions or ideas of people that you would like to see featured on these podcast episodes, then just let us know and we will be sure to reach out to those people and hopefully include them. But until the next episode, thank you for listening to this episode and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye for now. And Ralph, do you want to say goodbye as well? Bye for now. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>